Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Okay, kids, we're back again. This is Linux in the Hamshack. My name is Richard, KB5JBV. And I am here to introduce the powerhouse of internet broadcasting, the voice of the Booby Mountains in Arkansas, Russ, K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Well, until you said that, I thought Fab was here. He's king of the Booby Mountains in, in Germany. Oh, well, I thought he was the king commando of internet broadcasting. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I thought everybody knew that. Anyway, hello, everybody. Fab, he makes my head hurt. It's like two hours of Swar- Arnold Schwarzenegger speeches. <laughs> Fab. We- <laughs> <laughs> Not all of us feel the same way about you as Richard. Keep it up, Fab, and someday <laughs> you, too, will be governor of California. This is Russ, K5TUX, <laughs> from Studio One in Between the Peaks in the Pine Forest of North Central Arkansas. Welcome to Linux in the Hamshack number 73. Our, oh, I don't know, what is this? Our second episode for 2012. So, God, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. So welcome in everybody. Welcome to everybody in the chat room. And we do have a lot of people in the chat room tonight, which is nice to see. Next time around, if you want to be in the chat room, you can go to irc.freenode.net, log in as whatever character name or alias you want to use, and join us on channel hash LHS podcast, hash LHS podcast. You'll find all kinds of people there. And in fact, someone just joined. So we've got even more people in the, uh, in the chat room tonight. Excellent. He gets so excited over people, over just like one or two people. Well, this is particularly important tonight because we have nothing on our plates. Which is okay because we bullshit our way through before and we'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) We do have one suggestion to talk a little bit about wine in a direct way. We have mentioned wine in the past as a method for running some of your applications that don't necessarily run natively in Linux. So we might go into a little more detail about that. And hopefully, a few more suggestions will be forthcoming, and we might actually make an episode out of this. So I'm going to send it back to you, because you're the king bullshitter, and uh, you can start us off. You see, now he's he going to make everybody think that we're serious about this. We're just playing. We have the same <laughs> quality show tonight that we have every night. Every time we record, we always have. We are just as prepared any time we record as we are tonight. And and everything else. So don't let him run you off because uh, we we in for a good show, really good show. That's right. Take that for what it's worth. Huh? <laughs> don't listen to Larry Bushy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, listen to Larry Bushy. He knows what he's talking about. Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about when, he, when it comes to talking about us. I mean, we never oh. ramble. We're always on point. Larry's a nice guy. I was just messing with him last time. <laughs> Yeah, we were all mess. We were messing with everybody last time. I think we pissed off everybody this side of the the international dateline. No, there's some ethnic groups that we've missed, and uh, several politicians. Well, we uh, have an unlimited. There's a, there's a guy in Luxembourg. He's still not happy. Oh, he's still not happy. We do have an unlimited number of episodes after this one, so we can get to everybody. <laughs> 
Just remember, folks, I told a guy on Facebook this evening, it's easy to be an uneducated hater. It's a whole lot harder to do the do the research anyway. So I, I'm not sure what that had to do with what's going on, but I just had to say it to somebody somehow, some way. All right. Do we have any announcements by chance? Well, let me see. No, not really. We, okay. uh, no, let me, let me do a couple quick things just so we have something here. I mentioned this at the end of the last podcast that we will have an ambassador at the Dalton ham fest in Dalton, Georgia on February 25th. Everybody needs to go down to Dalton. If you can make it stop by and say hi to K four RJJ, who will be our ambassador. Now he's going to take pictures of the show and everything that goes on. So we can all see what we missed if we can't make it down there, but you should all go down and check it out. If you can, I wish we could make it, but we can't Dalton's just a little bit too far, a little bit too expensive. Yada, yada, yada. We can think of a bunch of excuses why we're not going to be there. But anyway, go visit the Linux in the ham shack booth down in Dalton. I think I had something else, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Y'all stop off and see where they make the carpet while you're there. I think they make windows there too. Dalton, Georgia. Dalton, Georgia. It's funny. This is the first I've heard of Dalton, Georgia, and suddenly everything happens there. You don't think they'd be spending the time to have a Linux fest in some place that like all it had was a convenience store and a gas station. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually a ham fest. So anyway, um, well, they, well, they run Linux on their banjo. What? <laughs> you never know. I've seen weirder things. So did you install Linux on your dead badger last week after you uh, found out how? Well, no, I knew about that. I just never got around to it. Oh, I didn't get around to it either. Unfortunately, I was working on some other stuff like things that happen in reality. And the things we got dying around here, mostly skunks. Ooh, There's a rabid raccoon running around in the neighborhood. You might want to use a raspberry pie and a dead skunk just to keep it smelling better. Well, I guess so. Okay, well, that was the only announcement that I could think of right off the top of my head. I'll probably have one later on in the show when we do feedback. But anyway, uh, what do you got? Uh, as far as announcements, I really don't have many announcements. I'm just waiting in anticipation. We're going to get started. Let's see. Uh, we're not going to get started in Dalton, Georgia, though, the carpet capital of the world before China. Yes. And uh, <laughs> uh, as far as announcements, the uh, only thing I got are local, so I'll just have to hang on with them till Thursday night. So you want to talk first? You want me to talk first? I'll talk first. Okay, you talk first. Well, hey, if you want to answer well, questions hey, like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If well, you want, hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. All right. Anyway, if you want to answer questions like that from now on, uh, you just go right ahead. Which question? The one where you ask me a question and then you answer it right away before I can say anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go for it. Well, I was just going to talk a few minutes about. Everybody knows that Richard's been in a quandary because uh been using Ubuntu for a long time. Yes, I said Ubuntu. Direct your messages to hate mail at bill at who gives a shit dot com. And uh uh everybody knows that I've been all all in an uproar because uh the new one don't do what I want it to do, there's things it won't do that I need it to do. I don't like the fact that it looks like my cell phone operating system and all this other stuff. So I've been checking some other stuff out and I still have the same issues everywhere I go as far as uh, not seeing my cell phone uh, so I can get the information off of my SD card. Uh, but I think I may very well have landed back on Linux Mint of all things. That's why I was kind of hoping that VE2HKWB with us this evening so he could enlighten us on some of the stuff that's going on with Linux, Linux Mint. Version 12 is out now. It's got GNOME 3. It also has classic GNOME 2. It also has Mate, which is, I guess, I think somebody said it was like a fork or something of GNOME 2. And I've been checking it out and working with it. And with any luck, by the next time we record, I will be coming to you from that machine. However, I went ahead and loaded it up. I downloaded it on DVD. You can go ahead and get it on DVD and it helps speed the process along a little. 
went ahead and whooped it on that machine on a, on the partition that used to have the new uh, new Ubuntu on it. Got to looking at it. Now there are some things it won't let you do because I like more control over my desktop than they're letting you have with GNOME three. But I'm sure that stuff will come along when they get it to get it built up. There's even less in uh, in the other varieties that are available on there. But I went ahead and loaded up Cinnamon and Mate and Gnome Classic Gnome and Gnome Three, and worked on through them while I was trying to get the stuff installed that I have to have. There are things that I have to have. I have to have a browser. I have to have an e- email client. I have to have Audacity, uh, XChat. Yeah, there's several things that I have to have. So I went down through there and started installing them and uh, uh, getting them set up the way I needed them and that kind of stuff. And actually, it started to become kind of enjoyable uh, because I could uh, I could put them up. And every time you fill up a desktop or put something on a desktop, it adds another desktop. I like multiple desktops. I always run with four. When you start, you've only got two. You've got the active one and one more. If you decide to open a, a, a application in a separate, uh, on a separate desktop, then it will automatically add an empty one on the end. And it'll keep doing this as long as you're adding applications in different desktops. Now, don't get me wrong. You run four or five things on one, on one desktop. But uh, it automatically adds them if you decide to do it the other way. The other thing is they've got that deal that uh, you slam the mouse up in the corner and it'll show you the whole desktop and show you all the windows that are open on your desktop. It makes them a little smaller and everything where you can see all of them at one time. This kind of is easier than the other way, which was trying to figure out where the bar was for the one you needed and clicking on it. However, it works. Like I said, I started to enjoy this some, and the fact that I didn't have to go find the codex and put them, download them, and and other stuff, I went and added uh, something I've never been able to do. Is uh, there's one solitaire game I play that I've never been able to download the extra styles for it. They're like the default theme and then other themes, and never could download those. I was able to get those this time with Linux Mint. It looks really good. I haven't been using it much, but what little time I have been using it, I'm actually starting to enjoy it. I'm never going to like it as much as GNOME 2. I said that about KDE uh, 3.5, and I still don't like KDE since they changed it. But this, considering if I have to change, this one's going to be... Going to be one that's fairly easy to change to as long as I don't run across anything else that I have any situations with trying to get it running. And I really haven't had a huge situation with anything except the fact that it will not see my cell phone. However, I think that's something that changed in the kernel two or three versions back and not necessarily the operating system because it's that way on all of them. So we're going to give it a little chance and see how it works out. Russ, you've been using uh, Linux Mint. I have, have been using moved, Linux have, Mint. Have you moved to 12 yet? I have not moved to 12 yet, and that's because I don't use Linux Mint. I use Linux Mint Debian, and they are not at version 12 yet. Actually, they're not at any real version because Debian is a rolling release. So yeah. the last you know, technical release of Linux Mint Debian was the 2011 1109 or something like that, dated, you know, dated sometime in November, I believe it was, or sometime in September, I can't remember. Anyway, that was the last release, you know, more or less, of uh, Linux Mint Debian. And one of the things that I, you know, am sorely lacking, I guess, is the ability to really try GNOME 3 or the GNOME shell because it's not included in Linux Mint Debian. And that's because Linux Mint Debian is based on the testing release of Debian as opposed to the uh, SID or unstable release, which does have GNOME 3 support in it. So right now, unless I do some major, you know, reconfiguration and tweaking of my system, I cannot try GNOME 3. So I'm stuck with GNOME 2 right now. I know not of what you speak. 
I'm sure you took a look at it when, after we talked to, what was her name? Beth Ann Iker, whatever it was that was Beth Lynn. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're confusing Beth Lynn with the other one. Um, Stormy Peters of Gnome. Oh, yeah. Stormy Peters. <laughs> um, who's no longer yeah, with Gnome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I'm sure you tried to, you tried to try it out after we talked to her, didn't you? I attempted to, yes, and on the system that I was using at that time, it crashed and burned in a very spectacular way, and I haven't been back to it since. It has moved along since then. It looks a lot like what they're using over on Ubuntu, which I can't remember what to call it, uh, Unity, I think. Yeah, Unity. Uh, It does look somewhat like that. Comparing the two side by side, uh, GNOME 3 is easier to use in my opinion. And once you figure out how to use it, I mean, there are things it won't let me do. I like my fonts a certain size. I like uh, my uh, different, you know, the the day-to-day stuff, the stuff that makes it easier to do the stuff I do with a computer, which is like my emails and working on websites and writing articles and stuff like that. Uh, the, the little tiny things that makes it easier and you don't really have that kind of control, or at least I haven't found it yet on that machine. I will find it in time. I'll figure out how to do it, you know, get all my stuff where it's supposed to. Right. You know, well, you know the GNOME 2 uh, in the places menu, you ought to be able, you used to be able to uh, bookmark directories and stuff and get them up in the places menu where you could see them. Now there's a single place where it says bookmarks, and they're all over there instead of in the... Uh, in the main row of different stuff in that menu. So that's on, that's on the Ubuntu I'm running right now. Anyway, in, in time, I'll, I'll get the, get the knots worked out of it as it were. I know in a lot of the podcasts I've been listening to recently that people are actually starting to enjoy GNOME 3 and Unity a little bit more than they did at first. It seemed like once upon a time, everyone was a GNOME 3 and or Unity detractor, including myself. And that was only because my experience with it was pretty poor at the very beginning. As things have moved along and Unity and GNOME 3 have become further developed and a lot of their bugs and stuff are being worked out, a lot of the folks that I'm listening to on various podcasts are sort of coming around to the GNOME 3 paradigm and and liking the way that it's put together and how it's sort of different from the GNOME 2 environment. In the latest installment of the GNU World Order podcast that I listened to, uh, Klaatu talks about uh, an email that he got where somebody was addressing the fact that a lot of people will try a new desktop environment, whether it be like XFCE or GNOME 3 or whatever it is they want to try, and then they spend all of their time configuring it to look like the desktop they're used to, which seems like a kind of a pointless thing. It's like either use what you're used to or kind of try and immerse yourself in the paradigm of the new thing you're trying. Don't try and make one look like the other. So I guess if you're, you know, if you're interested in trying some of these new GNOME 3 things, use them the way they're set up and see if the new way of doing things actually fits you rather than trying to go back to what you already know. Well, you know, and and that's true, but like in my case, I'm if I stay with Linux Mint, I'm gonna have to go with GNOME three because part of the thing is I spend so much time sitting in front of the computer when I'm here at the house that I need something that's not gonna make my head hurt. And even with Debian, uh when you look at the GNOME desktop on Debian, uh it's really hard to look at for a long time because it's kind of rough, needs a little work. And I know Debian's not in the business of sitting there and making things look pretty. And that's something that they should have worked out over at GNOME before they decided to go with a whole new, whole different ball game. But, uh, the folks over at Linux Mint have spent some time working on the GNOME 3 desktop. It's, uh, as slick as the Ubuntu interfaces have been. When you go over to the older GNOME or go over to, uh, to Mate, it's still pretty rough. And it's like I said, if I'm going to sit here and spend all this time looking at screen, it's easier if it's a better looking desktop and it does look better. Uh, only time will tell if it's easier to work with or not. 
I guess if you want a desktop that's really easy on the eyes, you should go to Fedora because they even have a design team and everything over there. So yeah, if you want, well, you know, if you I want just, something, I that just looks, need a rough edges knocked off, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I I don't mind the GNOME two desktop under Debian, and I certainly don't mind it under Linux Mint. You know, I don't mind the fact that it looks a little bit dated. It's it's functional to me, and if you want all the glitz and flash and everything, you'd probably switch over to KDE four point six on top of a Fedora environment and just go whole hog into all that, you know, transparency and compositing and glossy look and hell you might as well just buy a Macintosh, you'd be all set. And see that's the that's the thing that's the thing. I mean, I don't go in for the compas and all this other mess. You know, I've you I've done it twice. I set a, de- a, a desktop up that way uh for myself at one time. Cause I thought it was cool. The cool lasted about a month and then I turned it off. And then uh, I've got a laptop over here that I set up with all the fire effects and the, the rolling up windows and all this other mess. So I could show my son and get him to start using Linux. And in fact, he was taking it to show people when, uh, he was trying to get his computer repair business going here a while back. He might be back over here begging to use it again. <laughs> Boy, I see in for a surprise. I put, I turned everything off since then. I still like my compass effects. I get my little rotating cube and everything. And there was one point where I even added a plug in to have a little aquarium in the middle of my cube. So that was kind of fun. You know, there's a little bit of stuff to play with in there, but I mean, it's purely fluff. There's, there's nothing functional about anything the compass does. In, in fact, if nothing else, it just slows your machine down. It did speed things up a little. The cube sped things up for me a little. The uh, when the screen the screens fold out uh, and you're able to click on the one you need, I can't remember what that was. Control tab, I think. You know, it made it just. It was like having the switcher that's down that I've got down in the bar right now up on the screen. Yeah, I mean. Couple of things help speed stuff up, but you're right. That the effects and stuff—that's lovely if you've got the time to play with your machine and all that good stuff. But it really didn't do much for me. Um, some I, of the effects are activated with a different something else on this GNOME three, and I'm not actually looking at that machine right now, or I'd click on it and figure out what it was. But uh, one one of there, the things that's actually useful to me under Comp is is. Uh, the default keystroke for it is Super E, the Windows key plus E, and that actually gives you a panel of all of your active desktops so that you can you can see everything that's on them, and then you can double-click on the one you want. Yeah. And uh, that, that actually is a productivity gain as well as a cool-looking feature. So, I mean, there are, some, there are some enhancements in there as well as, you know, the eye candy. Well, when you throw the mouse uh uh, the mouse cursor up in the left top left corner, it goes to a background with all your desktops over on the on the right hand side, so you can see what's there and click on them and go where you need to go. But uh, I mean, it's got a lot of pros, and uh, everybody listening, we we kind of zoned out and got away from talking in y'all's direction. But uh, we'll keep y'all posted on how this works out. Like I said, with any luck, by the next time we record, I'll be recording off that machine. If I can get uh, Skype and Audacity to play nice in the same machine at the same time. I'll forget Skype. We're going to be doing something else. We, we've got to get off of Skype. Well, if you quit breaking everything, we'd already be off. It's, it's not my fault. Everything sounds good over here. You've just got this stupid echo problem, and, you know, what am I uh, supposed to do about it? Wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa what? You know, we tried, we tried the, the, uh, the SIP phone thing and mine was working. Well, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll have something new here sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. If we can get it to play nice without Audacity. Well, right. Okay. So I think that we, since we've almost come to blows, it's time <laughs> for us to listen to some music. Off to school 
box too full to shut, a cardboard paper cut, the bleeding edge of a picture of your parents when they were cool. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes the day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay, I like you in glasses. in the sand, played a wedding band, drowning princess in a tangle of towels on the floor, an old familiar ache, little pills we take, the thoughtless kindness of a coffee cup waiting by the door, so much to say, I forget to start, there goes a day fading as it passes, forget the gray, let it fall. It's on the board Someone's been double booking I've got time How is your next week looking? The house shifts into place A little breathing space The radiators and the floorboards Will argue while we sleep Okay, kids, we're going to make a run at Wayne because we got asked about it in the chat room while ago, and, and we're going to see what we can do with it. Who knows? We might actually come out sounding semi-intelligent. If not, I'll blame it on Russ. Let's get going on wine, Russ. Let's not. No, just kidding. Okay, it would have been helpful maybe if uh, our listener in the chat room might have provided an actual question about wine, but I guess we can talk about it in a generic sort of way. We have touched on wine in the past because some of the applications that we have discussed in past episodes cannot be run natively in Linux. So we have suggested that users who want to run them, run them using wine. Now, what is wine? Wine is, well, it's a little bit confusing what wine is, but what wine is not is an emulator. In fact, what wine means is wine is not an emulator. That's what WINE stands for. It's a recursive acronym. I think I've said these words in the past exactly that way. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, I told you we've done it. We've done it somewhere, but we'll do it again. Yeah, I guess we'll do it again. Sorry if we're boring, everybody. We'll make this a short topic anyway because I don't want to go too far into it. But basically what WINE does is they repackage, essentially, all of the dynamic link libraries to DLLs from Windows in such a way that applications that need to make those library calls can do so natively in Linux as opposed to in Windows. So you can take a Windows executable, for example, and if it needs to make calls to a Windows dynamic link library, those libraries are available in Wine recompiled for Linux, so it can make those calls natively under Linux. So that means that most of your, you know, basic applications that would run in Windows and a lot of the ham radio applications fall into this category. For example, Ham Radio Deluxe is an application that will run under Wine without too much issue. Also, another one that's pretty popular is the Echolink application, which is a Windows only app, but it runs actually quite well in Wine. So if you're looking to run an application or if you can't find a Linux native application for a particular thing that you're trying to do, say run Echolink. Now there are Linux native clients for things like that, like QTEL and XVXLink, 
But if you are familiar with the Echolink client under Windows and you just want to run it under Linux, you can do that using Wine. So that's basically what Wine is. There are a couple of different versions of Wine that have sort of been built as specific methods for achieving different kinds of goals. All of them are based on the core version of Wine, which you can find at winehq.org. Uh, whiskey india november echo hotel quebec.org all of the other versions of wine which have different names are actually based on that project they just have more or different linked libraries associated with them and they're designed for different things for example there is a project called sedega charlie echo delta echo golf alpha which is used for gaming there are lots of libraries built into it so that people who want to run, say, World of Warcraft on their Linux boxes can use Sedega to do just that. There is also another project that originally started out as a way to sort of make wine more accessible to the masses called Crossover, and they originally focused on major Windows applications like Internet Explorer, uh, Microsoft Office, things along those lines. Now they also have a gaming version and uh, sort of an installation platform, which makes it very easy to run very popular Windows applications like the ones I just mentioned. Now, Crossover Office works on a donation scheme, so you technically have to pay for it. Sedega is also a pay-for type scheme. Wine by itself is totally free and open source. If you do enough tweaking and find the right tutorials on the web, you can run all of those applications under the native version of Wine, as opposed to using some of the other applications that are built on top of it. They're just a little harder to get to. So that's a, a very high-level general overview of Wine and what it does. Uh, maybe we'll get some input on questions that might be more relevant to what we're talking about from the chat room. And I'm going to sit back and hold on to see if that happens and let Richard talk for a minute or two. Because he know I can talk. I can just talk about every damn thing. But if you go over to WineHQ, which is located at WineHQ.org, and uh, they've got a database and stuff like that sitting here looking at it right now, there's about uh, over 10,000 pieces, applications listed in the database. Those that are known to run, they may have some issues. Uh, the database will tell you that kind of stuff. If you filter it for amateur radio applications, it shows about 25. Now, I know there's stuff that I have run on Wine that is not in this list of 25, but one of the things I did see when I first brought it up was the ICOM RS-91 software, which is a application I use myself. It's... Uh, that is a piece of programming software for my D-Star handheld. And uh, I've tried two or three other things. This machine is not the one I have those on at the time, or I'd be able to tell you what all there are. Uh, there is an older version of iTunes that will run under Wayne. You can run Notepad and some other stuff also. But in the list we're uh, looking at, I used to use DigiPan. It can be run under Wayne. The uh, ID1, uh, ID91 radio programming softwares, JT65HF, which would be the Windows version, I would suppose, uh, MixW. Uh, Ham Radio Deluxe 5.0, it says, is in here also. So there's quite a few things you can run under Wayne. As with anything else, they concentrate on games for the most part over there, simply because that's what most of the people are wanting. However, it's not just games over there. Like I said, they have over 10,000 things in the data, in the uh, app database at this time. It's also possible to get screenshots of some of the stuff running under Wine. Uh, the few things that I have run under Wine, I really haven't had any major problems getting them to work right. So uh, you might go over there, check it out. Uh, you can download uh, the version that's in the repos or go over to YNHQ and get uh, get a fresher version. I believe you can get it there and check it out. Uh, yeah, they've got packages for 
Ubuntu, Debian, all the Red Hat flavors, SUSE, Mandriva, Slackware, FreeBSD, PCBSD, Solaris. Yeah. And then they got the source code if you got some other animal. So y'all go on over and take a look and see how that works out for you. So what else you got, Russ? Unfortunately, uh, like I said, we have talked about wine in the past, and unfortunately I haven't seen anything in the chat room asking us a specific question about wine. Um, I can talk a little bit about the configuration of wine. Basically, there's not a whole lot to it. All you have to do is, you know, if you're using a Fedora system or some other Red Hat-based system, you just basically do a, a yum install wine. And under Debian or Ubuntu, you can do apt-get install wine, and that pretty much installs it for you. Now, there are some things that won't be available. Like, I know, uh, I think in the repos, depending on the version of Debian you're using, they won't have, like, the latest version of wine. It'll be the 1.2 version, uh, as opposed to the 1.4 version. Now, I believe the 1.4 version will support things better, like Pulse Audio which I'm not sure that 1.2 does. But in any case, once you get the application installed, uh, at least under Debian or under Linux Mint, you will have in your system tools a wine configuration option. And you can go in there and tweak some of the settings, like how much memory you want to allow for graphics, whether you want 3D support, whether you know what kind of audio devices you have in your system, um, you can map drives on your system, as in you can make a file system appear to Wine as a drive letter, like a D drive or E drive, something like that. These are all things that you can configure in your Wine config, but really none of them are necessary unless you have some specific thing you want to set up or you need to do. If you wanted to, for example, install Ham Radio Deluxe under Wine, all you would have to do is download the executable installer. You know, you go to hamradiodeluxe.com or whatever the website is. I assume that's correct. Uh, download the Ham Radio Deluxe installer. And if you go to WineHQ, you'll find out that the the latest version, 5.0, is not well supported by Wine. So you're going to want to download version 4. And if you do that, all you have to do is go to your command line once you've downloaded it. Instead of typing the name of the executable, you type wine space and the name of the executable. And basically it will run through the entire installer just as if you were on a Windows machine. You'll see the Windows installer dialog boxes pop up. You'll see everything as if you were on a Windows machine. You go through the install process and when you're done, a link to the HRD executable will show up in a wine folder in your start menu, you'll go to wine programs and you'll see HRD there. And there'll be a link to any of the application executables that were installed during the install process. You just click on those, click on whichever one you want, say the uh, ham radio deluxe or whatever, and it will start and run just as if you were on a windows machine. Now, they're, um, on, in the database on winehq.com for HRD, it shows that there, there can be some problems with HRD. This is kind of one of those your mileage may vary things. Some people have had excellent success with HRD that we've heard of, and some people don't have a lot of success. Uh, it may involve a little bit of back-end tweaking of the wine environment to get things to work right, like mainly referencing serial ports or whatever. If you want to do uh, communication with your rig, stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, HRD is supported under Linux uh, using Wine, and it works pretty well. I've tried a few other things like the N1MM logger and a few other applications that I can't think of right off the top of my head that are Windows only under Wine, and they all work pretty well. So basically, if you just put Wine in front of an executable, it should work for you. If that executable happens to be an installer, uh, you'll be guided through the install process just like you would on any Windows machine. So pretty straightforward, and I personally haven't had to do a lot of tweaking under Wine to get stuff to work. Basically, I've found that if it doesn't work, it's just not going to work, and there's no point in even trying to fiddle around with it to get it to work. It just doesn't. 
I think that's about where I am on that. So what do you think? Well, yeah. And, uh, you reminded me there's a couple of things that I ran under wine that weren't even listed over at wine HQ when I first came over to Linux, uh, because I had a very simple login program that I used over on windows that, uh, I wanted to use again and it, it fired up and ran like it was supposed to. It was something else that I used regular. It might've been, uh, one of the PSK programs or something. But, you know, there you go. The The best way to find out is give it a try. Uh, Windows stuff, for the most part, will run under wine. I think I saw something about something about uh, some of the .NET stuff will run because they've uh, adjusted it so it would do so. Uh, remember that wine is not an emulator, and it's not a, not a fix-all. You know, it's uh, a Windows compatibility application layer. Which means emulator to me, but that's okay. Uh, let's see. It doesn't mean a hill of beans to most people. It usually just is helpful only if it works. Right. And in fact, .NET doesn't say what version. All it says is .NET framework. So chances are some of your .NET stuff will work on underwine. Best way to find out is the way I do it. I try and run it underwine. If it won't work, I trash it and go on to something else. I've got, uh, I've got some programming software for another handheld over here that will not run under Wine, but it also won't run on any current version of Windows. Won't run on uh, Windows 7. Won't run on Vista. Really cantankerous on XP, but I was able to get it to run on Windows 2000. So apparently it won't run on those versions of Windows. Won't run on Wine. So we really hadn't lost nothing. So... Have we got anything else on wine before we go? Well, let me address one more thing. One thing I've found is that when you come to a specific case of something that won't necessarily run under wine, there is kind of a cool little application that you can download that has some tweaks for wine that are sort of automated that will help you run things that don't necessarily work straight out of the box. And it's called Wine Tricks. And if you do a Google search for wine tricks, you'll come up with um, a wiki page and or the winetricks.org website where they explain how this stuff works. Um, basically, it's a Google code bit of software where you can download this wine tricks command line application and it will allow you to tweak your wine install so that some things that wouldn't normally work will work. And you talked about um, like the .NET like where some applications will work under .NET and some won't. Well, what's kind of interesting about that is certain certain revisions of .NET can actually be installed using Wine. And because Wine is basically an entire environment for the Windows system that if you need uh, .NET version 3, say, to run an application, you can actually download the .NET installer for version 3 and use Wine to install the Windows version of .NET on your Linux box, and then you can install the application that requires .NET 3 using Wine, and it will have .NET available to it. And uh, that's kind of a cool thing. And also, if you look at the Wine tricks, it will help you set up, you know, some things that would be difficult to do by hand. It sort of automates tasks that makes running some applications under Wine much easier. So if you're going to use wine for various things, I would definitely check out wine tricks. Just do a Google search for it. And if all else fails, you know, there's always old standby. I'm a big believer in uh, going and ask the people that use it. They have a pretty extensive forum section over at uh, wine HQ. In fact, right now there's like 68,000 messages in there and 17,000 users. So surely you can find somebody that can uh, help you along. Uh, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Googling stuff. I never thought that would end up being a verb, but that it's okay. And I mean, this wine apparently belongs to code weavers now or vice versa. And they've got their logo all over the site. And we know that, uh, crossover works pretty doggone well because they're charging money for it. And, uh, they wouldn't want to have to be refunding the stuff. So I, I, I see potential. And in fact, the version numbers have been moving up way faster than they used to. But go on over to the forums over at Wine HQ. 
that would be forums.winehq.org. And uh, you can probably get some answers there. We're not huge wine users, you know, just whatever we need at the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, somebody over there can probably guide you better than we can. Well, we would hope anyway, since they're associated with the uh, project. I think so. Yeah. Well, I, I just tried to download and install HRD version 5 because that's the one that's available on their website. And just like the app debut over at winehq.org suggests, it does not work. So if you want to try HRD, you're going to have to find the version before that, the 4.0 version, uh, in order to get it to work because 5 is crap. Well, I feel like such a smug. <laughs> Because I said it would. Um, some some of the secondary programs I think act, uh, work. Let me try the HRD logbook. Let me see if that one fires up. Well, the HRD logbook is not coming up. Let me try one of the other ones here. HRD satellite tracking. Does that one work? That one doesn't appear to work either. Yeah, see, if I start Ham Radio Deluxe under Wine, basically it comes up. And then if I do anything, click on the connect button. Oh, I was mistaken. It has a rating of garbage on yeah. the wine website. For 5.0. For 4.0, it has a bronze certification, which means it will actually work. There you go. And uh, let me tell you, you can, uh, I'm not sure why people keep sticking with Ham Radio Deluxe because there's way more stuff in there than most amateur radio operators will use all of. Uh, there are some better applications, but if you want to use Ham Radio Deluxe, then uh, wine's going to be the way to go. I'll say it before and I'll say it again. I find HRD nothing but confusing. Honestly, if I want to do anything with ham radio, uh, that deals with the things that HRD does, I'll use my YFK log and FL Digi and that's all I need. Well, you know, YFK, FL Digi, one of the satellite programs integrates with those, uh, G predict. I mean, you can get all this stuff to mesh and work together the way HRD does since we're off on a tangent now. Uh, thank you, Larry. You can, you can get enough stuff put together to make it all do what HRD does. The simple part is you click a button, HRD comes up you click on a button for whatever you want to do, but, uh, you can integrate quite a bit of stuff, including, uh, well, I don't know about packet, but FL Digi will do the rest of them. And remember that evil secret parts of FL Digi are included in HRD. There you have it. Oh, no, Ted's leaving. Oh, no. No, I think he was saying goodbye to Ray, actually. Goodbye, Ray. Oh, I see how you are. You, we answered your question, then you dropped us. Yeah, I know. It's like he, he sucked us dry for all the information, and then he goes away. I feel a little bit dirty now. <laughs> like I need a shower and a, cry, and a good cry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we've talked about as much as we could, being as prepared as we were about wine. And uh, sooner or later, when I get everything caught up here with all the projects and stuff I got going on, I ain't even started on the high-speed multimedia project yet. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll come back and examine wine a little more closely. With that being out of the way, do we have any feedback, Russ? We do have a little bit that we should probably address. Nothing major. First off, let me just get this out of the way. We have a donation. Ooh. Yes. Donations are always good. Uh, Ooh, the I went off on that send money tangent. It would start coming in. Did I already talk about this donation? Something makes me feel like I did. No, we oh. couldn't have because it came in on January 27th and we right. recorded before that. So anyway. This donation came in from uh, William A. William A. So thank you very much, William, probably Bill, for your donation to the podcast. We now have uh, even more breathing space, and we'll probably actually be able to produce stuff out until, say, March. Thanks very much for your donation. We really appreciate it. Okie dokie. No witty comeback, huh? No, no retort for that one? Oh no, I'm just happy somebody sent some money in. That mean <laughs> that means that we won't starve to death. Okay, so we had uh some feedback here from Leaf again, Kilo Charlie Eight uh Rwanda. No, Kilo Charlie Eight Romeo Whiskey Romeo. Leafy eight. Yes. Who I apparently pissed off. 
How'd you make him mad? Um, apparently a comment that I made in episode number something or other. Anyway, or did I make him mad? I don't know. Well, here's what he says. Yeah. He says, ouch. You know, it's always bad when they start off a comment with ouch. I wasn't looking for an apology. Whoever wrote it originally wasn't me. I was just picking on Apple. Yeah, I read Wikipedia before I posted that. Wikipedia wasn't really my source. I was checking my memory because I remember Apple buying it, but wanted to make sure I remembered correctly. And this was my uh, reference to my sort of uh, quasi non-apology regarding cups uh, a couple episodes back, I believe. So I'm I looking. Just, yeah. So I just wanted to say uh, I had no intention to... Uh, you know, irritate or piss you off, Leaf. I was just poking some fun. I thought it came across that way, but maybe it didn't. I've been told that I'm kind of a badger. So, you know, things happen. This is my formal apology. I'm sorry, Leaf. Was it like an email? Uh, no, it was a comment on the website. I'm not finding it. On episode number 67. Oh, that's probably why I'm not finding it. Yeah. Let me see what Russ did to you. Your mean ass. I know. I thought it was spam, so I didn't look at it when it came through the mailbox. I uh, see. Okay, Leaf, I have taken a look at it, and you're right. Russ is a jerk. Right uh, down there at the bottom where it says Russ is a jerk. You're right down there? Should I be looking? He'll cut, he'll cut it out if he thinks it's offensive. <laughs> oh, I don't know. If people want to call me a jerk, I guess I'm a jerk. Okay, well, Leaf, it's kind of like this. I'm a crusty old badger, and Russ has to put up with me. So sometimes... Uh, Russ is a little crustier than he should be because he's in dealing with Richard mode and he probably didn't mean it to come out the way it sounded, but we, we would just like you to know that all your input is greatly appreciated except there's two or uh, two S's in Russ with no apostrophe in the middle. Yes. So no, no, we're not nit. We're not nitpicking you spelling. Actually, uh, actually Richard is, but I had nothing to do with it. I just want you to know that up front, but Russ put me up to it because he's evil. No, 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 no. It wasn't me. He's evil. Okay. Well, anyway, leave. Thank you for, uh, your, your input and keep putting in every chance you get. Yes, absolutely. We, we love all the feedback and, uh, I'm sorry if I offended you in any way. I do apologize. We just want to be loved. That's right. Speaking of, wait a minute, speaking uh, of being loved, for those of you in the chat room that are keeping score, Hater unfriended me in four comments. That's a record for me. (laughs) So go ahead. Okay. Well, I only have one more thing, and it's a real quick one. And that is that I got a Google alert. Remember, I talked a couple episodes ago about not getting Google alerts, where guess what? I'm getting Google alerts again. Yeah, I wonder what happened. I'm not sure what happened, but anyway. I would like to send a shout out to G8FXM. That would be Golf 8 Fox X-Ray Mike for uh, mentioning our podcast over on his blog. You can find his blog at G8FXM at, uh, no, not at G8FXM.wordpress.com. <laughs> So anybody who uh, mentions us must be awesome. And, of course, he's a uh, Linux operator and a ham radio operator from Great Britain someplace. So go check out his website, g8fxm.wordpress.com. Thank you so much for the mention. We really, really appreciate it. Apparently, we also have listeners uh, in Indiana. We got a request to link back to a website for the Hoosier Hills Ham Club. And that would be www.whiskey9quebec9qyq.org. Uh, they link to us as a resource over on their website, so I put a link back to them on our website, and that request was sent in by Dub Dub, Dub Dub Warren, Whiskey Whiskey Warren, KB9TMP. Oh, that would be W period, W period. Yeah, W period, W period. So uh, he's obviously a member of the the Hooter Hills Ham Club over there in Indiana someplace. So they link to us. We link back to them. Thanks for the link. And you've got one back. It's funny how that subliminal messaging works. What, the Hooter Hills Ham Club? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> anyway, thank you all for your feedback. I seem to have lost the Google alert. Thank you for all your mentions and links and money and everything. Y'all need to like take us to the barbecue house over in, over in where the hell was that? Euless, Euless, Texas. Barbecue. That's right. All time. Sincerely, all from, from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. We thank one and all. All. Yes. One, one and all of you. And by the way, donations can be made in the form of hard liquor and barbecue. That's right. Cause I'm a big giant fat man. And I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> That's right. If Richard and I were alone on a desert island, we'd try and eat each other. I'd come out on the better end of that deal. I think I'd survive longer. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd do you in first. I don't know. I don't think I just said that. <laughs> All right. I think we're about done here. So, uh, I what, 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 one of these days, people, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Piss Russ <laughs> off. He's going to drive down here and whip my ass. <laughs> That's never going to happen. So don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, somehow we managed to do a minute and 24, uh, one hour and 24 minutes of total BS. So why don't you go ahead and sign us out? See, I told y'all I could do it. Yep. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for the show this time around. We didn't hear nothing from the guy over at Linux Mint. We haven't heard nothing over from the guy over at uh, Going Linux. We haven't even heard from, uh, uh, what's his name, the other guy. Anyway, we ain't heard from none of them. Hey, wait a minute. Okay, so did, you, did you just call me fat? No. You said you'd come out on the better end of it. No. All right, carry on. So I told you he's going to drive down here and whip my ass. <laughs> Hell, everybody knows I'm bigger than you are. Anyway, <laughs> kind of works like the dogs around here. There's a, there's a blue healer and a Shih Tzu. And we've decided that the blue healer is scared of the Shih Tzu because he's so much bigger than she is. The other dog. Anyway. At least you don't have a he zoo and a blue. Badger. Yeah. They're going to be. Badger. <laughs> Let me get the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> let's try this again uh if you would like to get a hold of me you can contact me at kb5jbv at gmail.com kb5jbv at gmail.com or follow me on twitter facebook whatever kb5jbv i am there I just hope the gentleman that was quizzing me in the chat room earlier was able to find one of the multiple pages. I'm on other social networks too. Go over there and plug in KB5JBV and see if I show up, hook up there, whatever. And uh, sooner or later, I get to ping FM working again and we'll be blasting out stuff over to, in fact, I hadn't tried it on the other machine yet, but I will give it a try. So, uh, with that, I'm going to toss it on over to the Hooter Mountain. No, the, uh, the, the, the Booby Mountains so that we can hear Russ say, well, good evening, folks, and goodbye. This is Russ K5TUX in Studio 1N from the Booby Mountains between the peaks in the north of Arkansas. You can reach me at all of the social networks out there, Identica, Google+, Facebook, Twitter. You know the ones. I'm J.R. Woodman, also K5TUX at 73S.org. Send us an introduction to the show or your voice comments at 1909LHS-SHOW, 1909-547-7469. Leave us a comment over at the website on lhspodcast.info. You can send me email at k5tux at lhspodcast.info. You can send feedback to Richard and I at the same time at info at lhspodcast.info. We broadcast live every other week at Tuesday nights. You can find out all the information about that at our website, lhspodcast.info. You can uh, join us on IRC at any time of the day or night on irc.freenode.net in channel pound LHS podcast. Found out where you can reach me by email, by website, and all the social networks out there, so I think I'm just about done. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 73 of Linux in the Hamstack, and I'm going to send it back to Heartland, Texas, where Richard is going to sign off by saying... He made it all the way through. The crowd goes wild. All right. Uh, yes, thank you all for joining us this evening. We will see you all next time around. And I think the last thing I'm going to say is happy birthday, Mom. We really do miss you. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>